listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey, this is Ryan, and we are here with Lead Defend again. Uh, Seth is out this week, but I've got our friend Adam Venters back, and we're going to talk about a conversation that everybody knows something about, (laughs) but there's a lot of disagreement on, and it is alcohol. Uh, I mean, you you see it, you hear about it. If you've watched the Super Bowl ever, you've been highly advertised to through it and about it. And so there's the question, alcohol. Uh, Adam, why do you think there's so much disagreement about alcohol? Pro tip, or maybe hindsight, it's been 100 years this year, 2020, since Prohibition passed. So yeah. 100 years since Prohibition passed, and it didn't last very long. Right. And so why is there so much discussion, controversy around this whole alcohol thing? Um, well, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know all the, the controversies or whatever. I know the controversy that exists commonly in my world of working with college students and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, usually has to do with boundaries, those kind of things, or, you know, like, uh, people use it as some sort of way of coping with uh, either social, social situations that they want to be in, or Mm. it's just viewed as like a fun thing. So you, I think part of the discussion is like, is it inherently evil or is it socially fun, moderately fun? You know what I mean? And I think people just kind of sit in those polemics and just kind of, you know, argue back and forth. That's a good good word, though. Is it inherently evil, inherently good, or somewhere in between? You can kind of make it what you want. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't particularly know what I would want to say about that um, in terms of what it is. I, I think I think one thing primarily, or it's a couple of things, and we talked about this last time about the Old Testament. Because I think as a person, you have to decide what kind of aim you're going to take in this life. And hmm. when you take that aim, that's it's kind of the idea of, of sin and that kind of stuff and missing the mark. Um, but there's also like a reality that exists in the New Testament. And it's it's kind of weird the kind of how this parable gets laid out. But the parable is, it, Jesus tells it, what uh, son, if he was hungry, asked his father for an egg and the father would give him a scorpion. Mm-hmm. Or what father, uh, if his kid asked for bread, would give him a snake or something like a fish yeah. or a snake or something like that. But the idea behind the parable is that if we who are inherently sinful can understand that no good father would do that to their son, if we who are inherently sinful can understand what good gifts are, how much more so does a perfect heavenly father give us ultimate gifts for our life? Yeah. And, and I think what steers a lot of conversations like this, it's like a, a moralism type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get into the conversation of do we have a license to do it or is it like legalism? We don't do this because we feel like it's been you know legalized by God or whatever. Well, and really those are two ends of the extremes, right? Yeah. So yeah, either absolutely. you have license, do whatever you want, whenever you want, it's not going to affect anybody else, or you're legalistic. You're like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to stay so far away from it that... In fact, I'm going to draw boundaries around it that I'm not even going to cross those boundaries. So, yeah. so those are really the, the two far ends of the spectrum. So what's the answer? To adopt one of those or to draw a line down the middle? Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about the Scriptures. The Scriptures do say things about, about alcohol and those kind of things. But I think one of the things that I would just want to say is sometimes in this conversation what we're not asking mm. is the question of, like, what's the ultimate reason 
or what's the ultimate purpose that you allow your life to be governed? Yeah. So like what, what truly drives your life? Mm. And I, I think on some level, like if your own pride desires flesh, like if that's what truly, if you were honest with yourself, if that's what drives your life, then your answers are going to, your answers to the question is going to be completely different. But if you're trying to say, okay, how does God drive my life? How do I allow myself to be governed by God? Um, and you, you know, start taking steps towards that. I, I just think the approach to it is, is very different. And I would even say sometimes the argument inside of Christian circles per se, really it's not that people have surrendered their life like in terms of time and where they spend some of it and what mm-hmm. reading the Bible. It's really like have they given over their their whole self, their whole desires to what God would have them to do, you know? Yeah. So do they allow God to give them ultimate gifts, you know, I think is, is the question. Man. And I, th- I think we would all want ultimate gifts, but... Bro, so, I like gifts. I, I love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite. <laughs> so, so, so let's define those two terms just a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so legalism is making rules that aren't found in Scripture yep. and really expecting everybody to follow those rules, yep. whether you're Christian or not. I, in fact, when people talk about legislating morality, like writing laws to legislate that, that that's kind of what we're talking about. I'm going to establish yes. a law and make sure everybody follows it. Yes. Prohibition. Um, whereas license is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. License is obeying Scripture's command in the pursuit of personal freedom. Right. So so that, that's kind of where you would find license. Um, now, there, there are a lot of Scriptures that speak directly to this. Yeah. New Testament, Old Testament. Um, so what are some Scriptures that have really stood out to you that, that speak to how we handle alcohol? Yeah, so I think one of them is just simply like the Romans 13 bit, um, where it talks about everyone must submit himself to governing authorities. On some level, there has to be this self-evident rule in yourself that whatever the governing authorities are, where you live at, mm. that has to somewhat govern your life. So, like, on some level, if you're in Europe and the drinking age limit is lower, you follow that. And where in America it's higher, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, Twenty-one here. Yeah. So you got you have to follow that to some particular degree. I got to stop you and tell you tell a story right there. Yeah, so go ahead. I got some Canadian friends, and they had driven down from central Canada into the Dakotas. And so, of course, when you cross that border, you leave Canadian law and head to American law. Well, in Canada, the drinking age is 18. Yeah. In North America, well, in America, the United States, it's 21. And so when they crossed that border, they were going and they went to a beer store and wanted to get some alcohol. Well, they're 19 years old. They go in and they ask and they say, well, let me see your driver's license. And the person at the counter says, I can't let you drink. You're only 19. The, the law says 21 here. And these guys said, no, 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 you don't understand. We're on the metric system. And so the attendant kind of looks a little bit confused and bewildered and said, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and let them purchase the alcohol right there. So there you go. long story short, just Simple follow enough. the laws of the I land. Think. So there are a lot of college students and young adults who make significant mistakes simply because they're not following the law. Yeah, and even... You know, I think inside the laws, you know, laws are built as guidelines to a particular degree in order to protect you. I mean, that's not always the, we could talk about like injustices and that kind of thing, but I think generally that's the idea of them. And so, uh, but inside the scriptures, I think there's some things that it talks about with this particular mm. understanding because it was, you know, on some level they don't have drinking water the way we have drinking water. So yep. wine was a beverage that was part, you know, partaken of Absolutely. You know, quite a bit. So one of the, the laws that comes out of, you know, it's, it says this in, a, I think it's Ephesians 5.18, but it says don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. So 
I don't want him to be a debaucher. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that means. You know? Yeah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, but on some level, what it's trying to say is that if you get drunk, even buzz to a particular degree, like we're always trying to figure out the shades of gray to stuff, mm. that, uh, man, that's just in the Bible, it kind of prohibits that to a particular yeah. degree. And I, and I think one of the other reasons why it prohibits that is another scripture in 1 Corinthians 6 um, where it talks about not being mastered by alcohol. Mm. And I think and I, I think on some level you don't want to be mastered by anything other than God yeah. kind of a deal. And you don't want to be trying to master anything other than God. And that's the you know greater love and taking an aim and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But on some level... Um, you know, we think that if, if like, a ways of kind of checking ourselves if we're being mastered by alcohol. But I think if we ever come to the place where we're saying, if I can't have a good time without alcohol, then it's mastered us. Yeah. Yeah, if we can't do something without something, I mean, it's kind wow. of mastered us, whatever that is. Yeah, you know? I mean, it drives you in your interactions. So let's spend just a little bit of time talking about those blurring lines because people all the time justify their actions and say, Oh, yeah. yeah, but I'm only buzzed. Or, right. well, I wasn't quite buzzed. Mm-hmm. How do you even discern? Yeah, so um, the th- thing is, you better figure out how to discern because there's a limit that you go over, and if you drive with it, you're going to jail. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, Your license is revoked. I yeah. mean, there are long-term consequences for and, those things. And, man, and I say that and kind of laugh and joke and stuff like that, but like that particular issue, DUIs and stuff like that, I have a friend who, who loves the Lord, and mm. he, like his life almost derailed due to a DUI. Yeah. And and so I think on some level, you got to take pretty seriously the consequences of the action of, of overdoing it. You mm. know what I mean? And I think sometimes you just got to ask yourself the question like, so with anything that you do, you got to find boundaries in order to do it. And most of the time you find boundaries by over over accessing in particular things so you know where to cut back or yep. whatever and is it something that you feel like you want to do it so much that you can discover the boundaries for it wow. you know what i mean wow and on some level i mean i think you got also got to ask yourself the question like if the bible talks about not even getting buzzed but you know in order to understand the boundary of it that you're going to on some level you have to go yeah, over yeah test it or you don't know mm. you know what i mean like you got to ask yourself inherently the question is this something that I should be partaking in? Like, yeah. should it be a regular? Is it worth it? Yeah, is it worth it? Because so. the costs are great. I, yeah. I mean, I don't want to underemphasize how great the costs are. We'll talk about that in just a bit. And so we talked about don't be mastered by alcohol, but then also Romans fourteen five kind of lends itself to the thought, hey, don't drink if it bothers your conscience. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's something that haunts you and looms over you, just just don't even mess with it. And then also we have to take into account. What if our drinking would cause someone else to stumble? I mean, Paul goes through a long discourse of that in Romans 14. Like, if by me being connected with this could cause someone else to stumble. And I can think of countless examples where that's been the case. Mm. For example, my uh, stepfather was a raging alcoholic all growing up. Um, so for me, it was always something that I just made a commitment. Hey, I, I'm, I'm not going to drink. I can remember... There being guys who would try to make commitments of sobriety. And anytime they were around my stepfather, because, dude, he could put it down. Like, he would drink. Man, they always gave in. They would always drink, and they would go home, and it would ruin their life at home. Their marriage would be dysfunctional because they were trying to make a commitment, but they couldn't be around my stepfather 
or else that they would give in to the same thing themselves. And so I think for you, Christian, sometimes you just need to say, this is not wise for the people around me. And yeah. so I'm going to make a commitment. Yeah, and I, so and this is another, so there's a passage in, in Proverbs, and I'll kind of read it. It's uh, 31.4. It says, it is not for kings, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Mm. And when I when I think about that particular passage, and I think this is how it fits into like a broader context. So we know that like Proverbs are like principles, they're not they're not rules. So, you know, it's not like if you do this, this will come, that kind of thing. But the Proverbs are also in a section of wisdom literature where Proverbs are kind of stated to like a younger man, like Ecclesiastes is stated to like a middle-aged man, and Job is to like an older man kind of yep. thing. And so when you kind of take that, as, as a, especially a young adult or like a young college student or an adolescent or whatever, I think you have to ask yourself the question, why is he saying this with the audience of young people in mind? Mm. And I think any time that you, on some level, deprive yourself of the ability to reason at, at the greatest possible level that you have in your capacity. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you remove the ability. And there's all kinds of studies like about how, you know, once you, you, you're intoxicated to a particular level, like you don't function properly. Like you don't move as fast. You don't think as fast, all that kind of stuff. So and I don't move very fast anyway. I mean, we played pickleball <laughs> last week. You, you saw that. I don't even want to think what it'd be like if alcohol were in my system. <laughs> so, like, if you know that at every, and this is, a, I guess this is just like the idea of how important is your life. But if at any particular moment in your life, like there could be a decision that your life could either be taken away from you or that somebody else's life could particularly be in your hands because they need your help or they like, like you just happen to pass them by and you, wow. you need to assist them. I'm not even considered that. Like, like what are you doing to yourself? That kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you're kind of depriving yourself of the ability to be able to help, you know? And so mm. I think, I think that's something that's got to be floating around. You know, I mean, on some level it's like to say that you want to get drunk all the time is kind of narcissistic and what the biblical prescription kind of is, is that you live for others. And so I think that's, you know what I mean? On some level, you got to kind of choose those kind of things, but it's, it's hard. I yeah, get it that's, that's a good word. So, Adam, this is something that oftentimes the statement has been made to me specifically. I'll only speak for myself. So people would say, okay, Ryan, you've got a commitment not to drink. You, you are a legalist. Like, how dare you <laughs> yeah. put those lines up in your life? Um, and I think we just need to speak to that for a little bit because mm. college student, high school student, young adult, where, man, there's that pressure on you. Sometimes people think you have to be able to do this to hang with us. So what is the difference in legalism and, and just these personal commitments that people make in their life? Yeah, I, th I think on some level, um, everybody sets boundaries mm. because boundaries are good for every single person. Like there's no person that doesn't set boundaries. And I'll give you an example of this. Like we're here... In, in the Arkansas Baptist State Convention building at this particular time. So we've sectioned off from the time that we started to the time that we end. Our boundary is we, we are here. So that also means that we're not other places. Yeah. So we self-limit ourselves for different things. So we're, mm -hmm. we're set a type of boundary. And everybody has to do that on, on every single thing pretty much. Yeah. So I know some people that kind of, they get into the legalism conversation. They say, well, you're not free. Well, like... 
we're free as much as we have the ability to choose our own boundaries. You know mm. what I mean? And so what we're also saying is, is that we're just setting some boundaries that you're also setting, you know, in, in turn. In other aspects of life. In other aspects of life and in other particular ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. So setting a boundary, it, like one, it's necessary. And on some level, the Bible talks about this. Like it says the way of the righteous is filled with many counselors. So it's a good, like, principle that if you're going to make a decision in order to consult like a good bit of people before you do it, you know? Mm. And so on a basic level, like when we make boundaries, that's being wise and it's being prudent about our life because our lives matter. You know what I mean? And and if they don't matter, don't set boundaries or don't do whatever, you know, do whatever you want, that kind of thing. But nobody does that. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so, so I want to get just a bit more personal um, and give us the opportunity to do that. So, Adam, we both work with college students, yes. so we're on the college campus, and, and and honestly, as a high school kid, I thought, man, college full of alcohol, that's how it's perceived, like that's how in culture you see, man, college campus is what you got to do. So, what has been your personal commitment to alcohol, I'm going to handle drinking in this way, and why is that shaded by the fact that you work with college students, or is it? Um, It's a little bit of both, I think, so... You know, on some level, on a personal level, and I don't really want to throw anybody in my family under the bus, that kind of stuff. But, like, the struggle with alcohol and my family has been really real. Yeah. Like, like I I mean, like, in a super serious, like, it's altered lives to a Mm. particular degree. There's been, you know, choices made. And because those choices are made now, the way certain grandchildren are raised by grandmothers and stuff like that are completely different, you know. Yeah. And so... Like I think on some level, part of my like decision to to not drink um, is really shaped a lot by my family mm. and kind of seeing like it just wasn't you know my family it was over abused so probably if they're over abusing it I'm probably like something in my genes DNA is going to lead me to tend to lean more towards over abusing it mm. and it was just one of those things like I don't really want to you know what I mean like. Yeah. Like the, the, the downfall of me trying it and then getting addicted to it and then over accessing in it and then the trajectory that that leads you on. Like it was just really kind of like more than I cared to do for something that was going to be social at best or something like that. Yeah. So that was part of it. And then another thing, I think working with college students, but even students at, at large, um, man, I just, I see more of the stories and hear more of the stories of it going wrong for people than going right. Wow. And I've also, and I don't mean this to be like contrary or anything, I don't know anybody that started partaking in alcohol and has come up and told me, man, this has really started changing my life, like in a good way. Wow. You know, I mean, wow. and that's yeah. kind of like silly too, but yeah. like it just, it has the potential to really ruin lives and not really to like better them, you know? Yeah. And so... I don't know. I, that's kind of the stu- stuff I struggle with a lot. Mm. And so, and with most college students, man, when you're like the social aspect of it, there's just not tons of social settings where moderately drinking is going to be the norm. Like yeah. it's going to be done in excess most of the times that you do it. So let's say that you go, you frequently go to parties where people drink and you moderately drink at some point in time, there's going to come a time where you're going to excessively drink. Wow. And yep. it's just, a, it, you're just playing percentages. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's really all that it is. So if, if a college student comes up to you, they've said, I, I've made the decision to keep myself uh, pure, abstinent from alcohol in these things. And they say, hey, there's this party coming up. 
Adam, should I go? What do you say? <laughs> I'd probably tell him just not to. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say this, and this is some of my, and I tell this story to my college students. So when I was in college, um, I, most of the time I was the DD at, mm-hmm. for some of the parties. And I, this is what I thought. I thought it was like an evangelism kind of thing. So I'm going to DD these people because it's going to open up a conversation later. And it just doesn't. Wow. Like I know you, yeah. like on some level you would think that it would and that kind of stuff, or it would be eventually you're going to have the ability to build relationships with these people, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And it, it just really didn't. And like being around them socially, that kind of stuff, like n- never, he's like, did I have somebody come up to me like, Hey Adam, I've seen you at the parties and you don't drink. And I, I kind of knew that it was because of Christ and I'm ready to follow Jesus now. <laughs> like, yeah. I just I, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? Like what what would you well, tell him? And my advice has always been, hey, it is never it is never bad to go to something, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's bad to stay. Yeah. Like like for me, I, I just had to know, like, at this point, I feel pressured. But here's the thing, Adam. Some people can't feel that pressure and say no to it in that moment. Mm-hmm. And if that's you, you need to stay away from there. Uh, you just don't even need to put yourself in that position. <laughs> right. Adam, this is me. Like I grew up to hate alcohol. Not because it was deprived from me, but because it was so accessible to me. Mm. I grew up to hate it. So for those of you who do drink, I don't hate you because you drink, but I hate that bottle in your hand because, man, it has caused destruction in my life. And in my position, I've had the privilege of meeting with students, and I say it's a privilege to meet with students because to impact them in that point of crisis is always incredible. But I've had the privilege of meeting with students whose lives have been wrecked because of drunk decisions. Hmm. And man, it just causes my heart to beat. Just wishing that I, wishing that somebody would have told them. Yeah. Said, hey, the, these things happen. And some of it is enabled by alcohol. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. for me, that, that's a consci- conscientious thing for me. Like, I understand that if I were, if I drank, I've never drank. But if I drank, some people would see me because of the place of influence I hold in their life and think, well, Ryan does it, so it's okay for me. And I don't know their background, their past. If they have an addictive personality, I know none of those things. Yeah, and I, I think something else that's really important in the conversation of this, in in the way that the scriptures kind of frame it, is that there is another aspect of drinking of whether or not you should do it if it causes somebody else to stumble. Mm. And and the scripture is pretty clear. It's, it's Romans 14. It's the 20, yeah. 20 and 21 of that passage. But it says, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Is it not better to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall? Yeah. And I think there's a really real conversation out there that a lot of people aren't really thinking about. Or, you know, if, if you're a student... Uh, or just a person and people drinking really like kind of bothers you or like you you struggle with it, that kind of deal. They're probably just not telling their friend, Hey, I'm really struggling that you're drinking right now. They're yeah. just not going to do it. You yeah. know? So on some level it takes your ability to be mm. mature enough to kind of analyze, yep. you know, situations and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's good. But I think on some level, like there's a, a biblical principle of being truthful Mm-hmm. But the key person that that you can lie to is yourself, like about your boundaries, yeah. about what's good for you, about what causes people to stumble, about what's actually profitable for a man. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and so, yeah. Hey, I, I, I want to close with this question. Uh, 
some people in justifying their action, and I think this is the lamest of all Bible excuses, which is why I'm closing with it. They'll say, well, bro, Jesus turned water into wine. (laughs) I need to drink the wine. And so why is that a dumb excuse to drink? (laughs) I'll just call it out. Why is it a dumb excuse to drink? (laughs) Yeah. So the reason why that's a pretty dumb excuse to drink is because you don't want to take cultural specifics in the Bible and make them generational norms. So you don't want to make Mm. something that's descriptive describing an event prescriptive, meaning it's prescribed for all of mankind and eternity. And one of the reasons why that's really stupid is because they don't have clean drinking water. So wine is what they drink, you know what I mean? And so so, did Jesus drink wine? Yes. yes. Was it a different cultural setting? Absolutely. Yes. Like, yes. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for joining us. This is an important conversation. And we're not saying that we gave you your life answer, but we're saying we hope we gave you some things to think about. And so until next time, this has been Lead Defend. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. The Lead Defend Conference of 2020 is almost here. We want you to join us at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas to hear speakers like Arkansas's very own Bill Newton. Come grow in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus and learn how to defend your faith with Robbie Zacharias. The cost to register is now $35, but it increases to $40 on the day of the event. So register now online at www.leaddefend.org.